Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Now, according to comprehensive research by the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, the economic pulse across Southeast Asia, with a particular focus on Singapore, emerges as resilient in the current quarter. However, despite this strong result, the outlook is cautiously optimistic since the economy faces obstacles such as declining private consumption and a sluggish global growth environment. Now, for its other Asian counterparts, Southeast Asia's economy remained resilient in the third quarter with improving trade conditions propelling GDP growth above its projections. So how did the research assess these economic pulses? And what hurdles were identified, especially in light of issues such as decreased private spending and a slow global development environment? Well, joining us on the phone today is Dr. Arup Raha, who is the ICAEW Economic Advisor and Chief Economist for Asia-Pacific at Oxford Economics to discuss more about these key findings. Hi, Dr. Arup. Thanks for joining me again today. Yeah, hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, so to start off, what were, you know, the research's primary findings about the economic progress in Q3 of 2023? I mean, what were the anticipated headwinds for this year? As you know, we've written a report for the Institute of Chartered Accountants and England and Wales. And, you know, the Q3 was, there was a bit of a positive surprise. There was a pickup. And in fact, if you look at even the preliminary numbers out of Q4 for Singapore, it was, you know, based on two months of data, you had a 2.8% bounce year on year, which is quite good. And it was across the board. But I think the area that has been surprising over this, pretty much all of last year, and you saw it towards the end, is, is the resilience you've seen in parts of the global economy, which has allowed exports to be strong. In fact, Singapore exports were quite strong, which also spilled over onto the domestic economy. That's looking in the rearview mirror, but when we look forward, we are much more cautious on what is likely to be sort of the spillovers of a slowing global economy, spillover of tightening policy settings, etc. So it's a mixed tale, which is to say that, look, we've been a lot more resilient than what people would have thought mm. the aftermath of COVID. However, the story is not fully over. There's still headwinds out there. There's still challenges remaining that will probably make this year what we call a year of living carefully. Mm, I see, I see. Well, you know, it looks like on 2nd January of this year, the MTI, they released their advanced estimates for the last quarter of 2023 and 2023 economic growth as a whole. So according to these estimates, 2023 Q4 year-on-year growth came in at about 2.8% and it grew 1.7% from the last quarter. Are these figures surprising to you? I mean, what were the push factors for growth? Well, these figures were a very pleasant surprise, not just to us, but to most in the market. There was a certain strength in manufacturing. And if you look, there was pretty much, you know, environment in chemicals and food. I mean, there was a general all-around boost that you saw in terms of growth, and it was pleasant. You have to recognize that Singapore's main driver in many ways is the external environment. And, you know, interest rates have gone up globally in the U.S., 525 basis points, Europe, etc. China is slowing. You take that entire thing into consideration, along with the fact that in Singapore, you know, fiscal policy, as you know, taxes have gone up at the start of this year. 
Similarly, monetary policy settings have been on the tighter side. So you're going to see there's got to be some spillover off to that on the global economy. I think on the bright side is that Singapore is structurally very resilient. Any a problem so much for institutions, but I think you are going to see a cautious growth outlook. Okay. You know, while some improvements in exports, they caused a surprise uptick in Southeast Asian economies in Q3. You know, analysts, they're remaining cautious due to falling private consumption and slow global growth. So it seems like Southeast Asia had quite a strong economic performance in Q3. Arup, what were the key drivers behind this impressive GDP growth, especially with its improved trade conditions? No question about it. Southeast Asia has been resilient, but it's been very specific things. I mean, Singapore is trade dependent, but if you look, say, to, you know, to Malaysia and Indonesia, these are energy exporters and energy prices had been firm and etc. So they were helped there. Vietnam is obviously very strong in terms of outsourcing and there's a structural story unfolding there. There were very specific factors that were driving, you know, Southeast Asia. So it's a good thing. It was extremely resilient. But you have to take a step back and realize that, you know, the COVID aftermath is not over, even though probably the, you know, sort of bottlenecks, etc., that COVID created are probably over. But the aftermath of COVID is not over. Mm-hmm. And the aftermath really has to do with the damage it caused to various balance sheets, households, firms, governments. So where you had government support, the damage to household balance sheets or the stresses on household balance sheets and firms' balance sheets wasn't that great. Otherwise, it was the government. So if you take a Singapore, the government helped out tremendously, right? You know, mm. So now they will consolidate. You don't get the help from the government that you did. In other countries where the government didn't help out so much, you had damage to household or at least stresses on household balance sheets and firms' balance sheets. So you won't get the kind of expenditure from households and firms that you would normally associate. You're going to get savings for people trying to build up their savings that got depleted during the pandemic. You have firms that are also doing the same thing, so they're not hiring, will not be hiring that easily. Plus, the pandemic has resulted in excess capacity. You're not going to see the same kind of investment. I guess the larger point that I'm trying to make is that the pandemic was, you know, once in a lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen anything like this before. It's caused a certain amount of damage or at least stresses on balance sheets those will need to be repaired. And that means their expenditure is not going to be that great. And then you add on the fact that there are, you know, interest rates are higher than they used to be globally. There's growth will slow. You know, the U.S. has been resilient. But if you raise interest rates by 525 basis, 5.25%, it's got to have some effect, which you'll see sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I said, a year of living cautiously because, A, there are external headwinds, and B, domestically, there's a need for balance sheet repair. I see, I see. But why are analysts still approaching this cautiously despite this you know, positive progress? That's the reason, because there's been a fair amount of stress on balance sheet. They will need repair. So mm-hmm. that's the reason for being cautious. Things have been better than what one would have expected, but it's not great. If you take the Singaporean economy, it's likely to grow at, you know, somewhere around 1.6, That's not 1.7%. So that's not particularly great, right? It's just that you got a good, on two months of estimate in the fourth quarter, it was a much better number than expected. But if you take the overall picture, it's not been that great. 
Uh, I see. Well, you know, as a result of both external and domestic challenges, Oxford Economics, you know, projects Southeast Asia's economy to grow by 4.3% in 2023 and 4.2% in 2024. How do the predicted growth rates of Southeast Asia's economy in 2023 and 2024 compare to the pre-pandemic average growth rate of 5% per year? I mean, what kind of growth are we seeing and what's driving it? Well, it's a very good question. It's not that big a difference for us to, you know, go to town on it that we are that thing. But there has been, and this is, I think, the point that we are trying to make, is you don't come across something as major as this pandemic that we have came through and just go back to business as usual. There has been a significant amount of change, especially in terms of balance sheets, in terms of economic behavior, etc. And you're likely to see a period where you are need to repair your balance sheets. Mm-hmm. Policy, especially on the monetary side, everywhere across, except for China, where they cut rates, but everywhere pretty much interest rates have gone up. Mm-hmm. But it's going to have, it has an effect with a lag, and it's going to have an effect. So if you take both elements, which is the structural damage caused by the pandemic, which will require repair, which essentially means You don't spend as much, you consolidate, you save. And the second part, which is higher interest rates, which is going to have an effect domestically. And the third part, which is that where government spent, fiscal policy is going to be somewhat restrictive. So you put all of it together, which is the need for balance sheet repair, Mm -hmm. monetary conditions, tighter fiscal conditions, you're likely to see growth being somewhat you know, on the lower side. Okay, I see. Well, I want to focus in on Singapore here now. You know, Singapore's trade-reliant economy is likely to be similarly affected by the external uncertainties facing Southeast Asia. I mean, based on monthly trade data, the Republic has seen a broad-based upswing from Q3 continuing into the beginning of Q4. But analysts say they expect this to subside. In fact, MTI's advanced estimates also put Singapore's economic growth at 1.2% in 2023, above uh, the Economic Insight Report's projection of 0.7%. What's the reason for this more pessimistic estimate? Uh, I wouldn't say pessimistic, I'm cautious. (laughs) Cautious estimate. Well, economists as a general rule tend to be cautious, so you Mm -hmm. recognize that, right? But as I explained, Singapore is very much trade-driven. Yep really the main thing. Now, if you have a cautious outlook on the global economy, if you recognize what has happened with the electronic sector, there was a huge downturn that had taken place in semiconductors that has played a role. As you know, there has been several shocks to the labor market. It sort of seems to repair. I don't want to sound pessimistic. I want to say that it's a year of rebuilding. It's a year and that will affect growth. Okay, okay. I mean, economic growth for the whole of 2022, that was reported at 3.6%. What's the reason for this decline in growth? In 2023, right? Yes, 2023. Well, interest rates went up. There's a fair amount of fiscal consolidation. So policy settings have been tightening. Certain sectors did well, but the electronic sector had a very bad time, especially if you were in semiconductors. So you saw Korea do badly, Taiwan, and that Singapore is also affected by electronics. So there were both general reasons in terms of global growth, global rates, but also very specific reasons in terms of the sectors we have exposure to. 
Okay. Well, you know, the government's growth forecast, that remains unchanged from November's outlook as well. With Prime Minister Lee Sin Lung in his annual New Year message, he said he expects Singapore's economy to grow by 1 to 3% in 2024. But he did caution that much will depend on the external environment. So, Arup, what is your take on the economic outlook for 2024 in Singapore? Has the higher-than-expected Q4 growth rates affected your estimate for 2024? growth here? Well, I think he's being cautious and rightly so because he needs to be prepared for everything. Mm -hmm. So, agreed. We expect slightly higher growth rate at over 2%, which because, and some of it is to do with, you know, technical factors that are in place, but we see a certain resilience in this economy, there is a certain tightness still in the labor market. We expect services to be doing better. So there are some factors that would drive the Singapore economy to do a bit better than what we are hearing from the government. But governments are a different sort of thing because they need to be prepared for contingencies. They need to be prepared for how things could go bad. They'd rather be surprised pleasantly than be unprepared for a bad outcome. Their projections typically tend to be on the cautious side. I see, I see. So, you know, what are some of the headwinds and tailwinds for Singapore's economy that we should take note of then? How can we expect monetary policy to adjust? Our expectation, monetary policy has never been sort of quote-unquote easy or accommodative. It didn't even happen during far bigger shocks than this, right? Even during the global financial crisis, etc. They didn't go to those. So they're either neutral or they are on the tight side. So we do expect, not in the next meeting, which is in February, but we do expect that monetary policy will move to neutral relatively soon. We expect that the policy settings are going to get easier because right now there is both fiscal tightening and monetary policy mm -hmm. is on the side. So we expect that the settings will start becoming easier from here somewhat as the downturn becomes obvious. We haven't uh, see the global downturn, especially if you look at the U.S., which is you know, the global economy has a large impact on the global economy, hasn't really shown its teeth. Plus, China is going through what is a short-term bounce because they've also eased policy settings. But the longer-term trend of China is down. We do expect the Chinese economy to slow on the downturn. So a lot of the sort of external effects that are likely to show up on the Singaporean economy have not yet shown up. And the government needs to be prepared for that. I see. I see. And finally, before we let you go here, you know, with the Singapore budget announcement coming up shortly in February, Arup, what should we look out for and what do you hope will be introduced? I think that there's going to be a continuing, you know, emphasis on infrastructure. But we also think that there will be targeted sectors like tourism and hospitality that the government will try and support through this. The general tendency of this government is towards prudence. So you're likely to see targeted support that takes place, but the overall thing will still be a very prudent, a very careful budget. I see. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Aruf. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. We've been speaking to Dr. Aruf Raha, who is the ICAEW Economic Advisor and Chief Economist for Asia Pacific at Oxford Economics. I'm Hong Gwen Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg. Or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Audio at the App Store and Google Play.